welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. If you're new here, I'm Helen. I'm a confidence and business mentor for women, and my whole purpose is to help you clear out any mental or spiritual blocks that are keeping you from leading the most happy, fulfilling, successful life that you could possibly lead. This podcast is about diving into the root core issues that keep us from living in that highest vibration, learning how to alchemize that, and above all, holding space for our humanity as we explore the depths of what it means to be human. I feel so blessed to be bringing you this conversation today with Mandy Chihuahuaf. We're talking about indigenous wisdom, navigating trauma and empowerment. So Mandy is an indigenous teacher of the Mapuche nation and a survivor of generational trauma and domestic violence, which I'm so grateful that she's open with us about in this episode. She's the creator of SLG, which is an online school and community that has helped members to heal from the effects of stress and trauma using indigenous knowledge and wisdom. Mandy's teachings are based on native science, knowledge passed down from generations of healers in her family and elders and community knowledge keepers and over 14 years of her own research and experience. So enjoy this episode. As always, hit us up on Instagram. Let us know what your takeaways are, how this affected you. Mandy is at Mandy Martini, and I'm at Helen Denham underscore. So thank you so much for being here, sending you so much love wherever you're listening and enjoy this episode. Perfect. Mandy, the first question I always ask people is how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? Uh, I always start my day with a walk uh, outside with my dog. So that's something I um, just making sure to, you know, before opening up any phones or computer or anything like that, I, um, I take a lot of time just uh being out walking or uh, reading or writing. So I uh, take a long time before I open myself up for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Have you always had those kind of energetic boundaries with the beginning of your day? Or is that something you started to lean into more recently? Um, I've always been like that since I was a child. But I think in my 20s, I moved away from that. And it became very, you know, always you know, everything has to be so stimulated. (laughs) Uh, so, um, yeah, I, uh, now in my thirties, I've been going back to that. Yeah, I do find it's a discipline. That's why I'm inspired by what your risings look like, because I literally had to get a tangible like clock to keep in my room so that my phone would live in the kitchen, which is not in the room. So I have a lot of respect for people that can ease into the day like that. Where are you based by the way? I forgot to ask you that. Where are you right now? I'm in Hudson Valley, New York. Oh, amazing. Of course. I lived a long time in New York city, so I know where you are. Beautiful. So can you give us a little bit of background? Like what has your journey been like until this point? You can start anywhere you'd like, but perhaps take us through like the last 10 years or something and wherever you feel is the most appropriate to start. But I'd love to hear about your journey in general up to this point as a healer. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't refer to myself as a healer in our community. It's, um, it, it's a whole process uh, mm-hmm. through the community that you have to go through. Um, my my grandmother and my great aunt and many of the women in my family are actual healers. Um, 
so uh, I just teach our traditional knowledge. I just share about how our body works. And then, uh, <laughs> so just wanted to say that. Thank you for um, saying that. I'm excited to hear about what that really means. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I don't know where to start. So I guess, um, you know, I, uh, I went through a lot of trauma when I moved to Los Angeles and um, there was just one thing after another and just being away from my family and our culture I um, got very wrapped up in the dominant culture right because if it's all you know you're in college and everyone you know is part of this culture and it just um, when I went through trauma, I, I turned to what the dominant culture was telling me to do, right? Which is a lot of, you know, coping and managing with symptoms, uh, which is not something that we do um, in, uh, in our practices. Uh, we, you know, we recognize every cycle of the body, right? So when uh, I was, I was living with so much trauma, for probably eight years and I was in domestic violence. I was married to an abuser. And I came to a point when I was like, you know, if I don't get at it, because that's the thing too, when you're in survival, when you're living with so much trauma, it just wears you out because we're not meant to live in survival 24 seven, every single day, year after year. So what it does, it wears you out and you start to numb yourself and all the energy goes away, right? Because everything is going to just trying to stay alive. Um, So I knew it was just one day I was like, um, well, actually, I I got some traditional tattoos uh, on me. And it was like a reminder, uh, just coming back to our knowledge. And um, so that's what I did. I um you know, even when I was with him and I, I didn't see a way out because I couldn't get out physically, um, I I would, you know, make sure, like, lock myself in somewhere in a room and make sure I let my body um, release and finish the survival cycle. And um, that's the thing, too. Like, when once your body started leading survival, it just... Um, gives you clarity right so I was able to get out and uh since then I have been teaching um about our knowledge because um it was just you know it saved my life (laughs) absolutely thank you so much for sharing this because you're not alone and I know that a lot of people tuning in sometimes just to hear someone else talk about it and to see them Mm -hmm. on the other side is extremely healing and validating and um, what do you wish that more people understood about domestic violence that is often overlooked? Um, well, I think, you know, we forget that, that you know, there's a lot of um, manipulation that goes into it. So a lot of people ask, like, you know, how come you didn't leave earlier? Or, you know, why didn't you just walk out? And it's just so, you know, like... and. It, I sometimes describe this dominant culture with my experience with domestic violence because it's just, you know, when you hear something over and over again, like you can't survive on your own, you can't do this on your own, you can't, you know, uh, you start to believe it after a while when it's when it starts separating you from family and community and, uh, you know, it you start to become very lonely, right? And that's what we see in this culture too, right? You know, everyone is on their own. 
and uh, separated from their community, separated from a culture that you know, is around unity and helping each other and supporting each other. And instead, like in domestic violence, you are on your, on your own behind those doors, right? So I think, uh, you know, you can see domestic violence and, you know, the way a lot of people feel in this culture, um, very much the same way. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is like isolation, like a complete separation and an isolation so that you don't really know anything else. It sounds like. Yeah. Because it, it is separateness that is taught in this culture. Right. And that's the same thing uh, an abuser will do. They will separate you from anyone, any help or support. Right. Uh, separating you from your friends, from your family. Right. They start turning you against that. Right. Which mm-hmm. is exactly what I experienced in my teenage years uh, and 20s, right? I was taught that, you know, indigenous knowledge is just bogus, right? And, you know, listen to the dominant culture and, you know, this is the way, this is the way it's supposed to be, you know? And I started believing that's normal, that it's normal to live with trauma, normal to live with all this stress, right? Which is not, it's, it's like saying that we're born to live fighting for survival, but... we can't grow. Yes. I'm so glad you put it like that. It's like, I feel like the biggest lie we've ever been told is that we were born to suffer and that life is just terrible when there is a completely different reality that I feel like you are helping to bring to light and helping people find their way to. And when you refer to dominant culture, what does that feel like to you? What does dominant culture represent to you? Uh, an industry. Yeah. Uh, it, every, I mean, if you look around, everything is an industry, right? The way you access food, the way you access water, uh, the way you access health and healing, everything is just uh, based around an industry, right? Even even trees, right? If they're not generating revenue, you know, they're considered useless, right? Um, and, uh, you know, if you if you see everything as an industry, you forget that there's actually a relationship, Um and, you know, I think a lot of people even look at themselves as part of this industry, right? I mean, how much of your day is spent around generating revenue, right? Uh, and not to actually living. Uh, so uh, that's why like, I, I'm the first generation in my family to be, in, be born in Western society. And, you know, having one foot in our old culture or in our traditional culture um and one foot in the industrial is really like been um you know trying to balance right because mm. you know it's it's so powerful like this dominant culture is just everywhere right in every structure and every system that we go through absolutely i even think in this wellness spiritual kind of world that we're in that's all it also takes shape i'm looking at my own life as you're speaking this like yeah so much commoditization of ourselves as products like creating products out of ourselves which um is helpful to bring mindfulness to absolutely it's also reminding me i think quana chasing horse either her documentary's out or it's being shown right now uh, it's called walking two worlds and um it's about what you're talking about this bringing indigenous oh. wisdom in and in coming from this lifestyle into this Western world where it's like literally walking two worlds. So, so you were mentioning that as you left this relationship, this abuse, you went toward indigenous (laughs) wisdom to begin your healing process. First of all, what gave you the courage to leave? Like what was the breaking point where you were like, 
it's time to go. Oh, I wasn't allowed to go. So I, it was just, I think, um, you know, when there was an opportunity for me to get out because police came to our house and before I would probably, because I had, there had been instances with the police before and, and I had state, right. But now because I had started, um, to change, change my energy from or you know our bodies our energy right so if we're always in survival we we start to you know we we use the survival responses right which is numbing and and flight um so before when we met the police i've kind of chosen that because that, that was familiar right even though he was abusing me that was familiar but because i was moving away from i started moving away from that i was no longer um uh you know, triggered into a survival response, I was able to take the opportunity when the police was there and tell them what was going on. And that's how I got out. Yeah. And then at, when you did get out, what did your life look like? How did you start to navigate this new life without this guy? Um, well, I, I didn't leave with much. I, um, I just threw trash bags of things and then my car, um, so uh, I don't know. I just I just stayed with friends for a while, and then I started at this uh, domestic violence support group. And when I was sharing, you know, everyone goes around and sharing their experience. Uh, when I was sharing mine, people was people were like, "How can you be so calm, right?" And I told them because you know we're not meant to live in survival for so long and our our knowledge teaches us how to actually move through the cycle it's kind of like having a cold right you know you get when you catch a cold you have to go through the cycle to finish it right so you you know that's the same way you know menstrual cycles pregnancy birth like everything is a cycle right same thing when you go through something stressful or traumatic your body starts a cycle of survival uh, the problem is in this culture, it doesn't get to finish. So people hold it in kind of like dams, right? Uh, you know, they contain water and it becomes so much pressure and so much tension. And that's why people often feel, you know, like it becomes too much. And that's why when they share things that they happen to, they're still triggered by it, right? But when you finish the cycle, you don't actually get triggered by it anymore because there's no, it's not, it's not there anymore. Um, so, uh, I told them about that and they were actually the one they're like, you have to teach us this, you know? Um, so that's how I got started with teaching. Uh, that's what, so that's what I ended up focusing on doing. Yeah. I'm, it's so synchronistic that you're calling it like a dam where our emotions just kind of build up because just having this conversation before we hopped on about how we change at the precipice and at a pressure point where we're either going to explode or implode, or we have to change. And that's where the willingness to change seems to come in out of necessity basically. And it is like a dam. So I love that, that visual there. And so what did you find was helpful for you from your ancestral wisdom that was coming through what really started to resonate and help you move through the cycle um you know so my uh, my grandmother she was one of the main uh healers in our community uh and she she and um, the other healers they always tell us that energy 
is supposed to always be moving, right? Uh, any stagnant energy becomes turns into illness or disease. Um, and part of our energy, right, um, is, or a part of our actually healing, our concept of healing, you know, if you look at the dominant culture, a lot of healing is um, targeting areas, right? Targeting the symptoms your body has or targeting uh, the thoughts your mind has, right? But they're not connected. You go to separate, separate doctors and like we talked about before, right? The separateness, like everything is, um, uh, but for us, healing is seen as the connection and the relationship between the body, mind, spirit, and land. Uh, and when we say spirit, you know, a lot of people just, eyes just roll over uh <laughs> because uh it feels so you know new age right but it's it, what we're talking about is energy and it doesn't get more scientific than that right everything that is alive is energy uh without it we would not exist um so understanding this understanding the connection between all four of them um uh, was how you know, it's what I teach and how I heal myself as well, right? Um, so, um, it, yeah, because, you know, if you just treat your symptoms uh, uh, from your body, you know, like if you just give yourself medications or if you're just trying to change your thoughts with affirmations or like when I went to therapy, they were trying to basically get me used to being triggered, right? You're like they they will talk have you talk about what happened so that you get re-triggered and then you're supposed to like learn how to manage that, right? But that is completely unnatural for us. We're actually supposed to just let it leave our body, uh, change the energy back to equilibrium, back to balance, right? Um, so it was for me, it was a lot of just like retraining my brain, just going back to what my grandmother and our people teach us. Um, and it takes a while, you know, to like, you know, after, you know, probably 10 years, 15 years of just listening, well, 10 years of listening, listening exclusively to the dominant culture, you know, it takes a while until you can start thinking about yourself as energy, right? and how all of these things connect to each other. Mm -hmm. I love that you say it's like actually the most scientific approach we could have, because the more I study quantum physics or just get to know these masters of science, the more it seems like we're all speaking the same language. And actually, I think in for this community, mind, body, spirit makes sense. I love that you bring in land. I feel like that's a huge missing part is our connection to earth because we're all in these boxes all day. Most of us are in the dominant culture, as you say. So how does your relationship with land and the earth uh, come into your process as well? Yeah. And like you said, you know, the way we are always, you know, in our houses or cars or offices or buildings, right? It's not natural, right? Uh, so for us, we have a word in my, um, or in our native language, which is mapurungung, it means earth speaking or the language of the earth. And it's called uh, Mungyen. And Mungyen both means life and the living world. So we don't separate your individual life with the rest of the living world, you know? So for us, it's not, oh, I'm going to go and take a walk for 10 minutes every day, right? You know, like, so separate, right? For us, it's our family. It's, it's a part of us because we are nature. We understand ourselves that we are a part of nature. 
Does this sound like you? You feel like you've hit a plateau in life and just don't know where to turn. It's like you know you're ready to feel better, but how do you do that? I know what that feels like to basically throw everything at the wall without getting results, feeling frustrated, trying yoga, breath work, journaling, exercising, therapy, but nothing seems to help. That was me five years ago. If you're like me, you're ambitious, you're ready and willing to change, you know that it's possible to lead a fulfilling and happy life, you know that you could feel confident, but you just don't know where to start. That's why I've created my confidence mentorship for you. This is a 16 week one-on-one -on -one mentorship series with me. And our work together is about having you activate and actually embody your highest self, understanding that your highest self is not outside of you or beyond you. She lives within you. And our work together is peeling back all the layers that are keeping her from showing up, keeping you from stepping into that heaven on earth for yourself. And I'm so passionate about this work because every single woman who has come through this mentorship container with me has experienced incredible quantum leaps. So if you're ready to finally step into the woman you've always known you could become, get clear on your path forward and truly change your life, just apply with the link in the description below and I'll talk to you soon. Back to the episode. Even though we live in an industrial society, our bodies were made from this earth, right? Um, and uh, that is the relationship that I've been taught, you know, and that's why it has such a big part of our healing as well, right? Because uh, we, as energy, you know, we're always uh, depending on each other, right? Energy is always, you know, when you have your loved ones, right? You feel your energy changes when you're with them, right? Mm. And um, so we're constantly, you know, in, um, as a family, right? In a, in a relationship of reciprocity of mutual exchange, right? So if, um, if you don't see the earth, if you don't see the living world as part of your uh, family, right? If it's not with you, it's, it's really like a missing family member. It's, um, it's, uh, imagine if um yeah your family right you you're all depending on each other right uh for different things and that's how your family structure is right imagine one of them becomes sick or imbalanced or you know something happens right or they're they're not even there anymore it changes the dynamic of the family right mm -hmm. so so and it affects your health too right it affects your balance um and that's why in our community it's like it's such a big focus that everyone should live uh, we call it a kumemungen so good life and living world so having a balance between all of this right because it affects your community affects your families it affects everything around you mm. if you're not in balance that so, word kind of sounds like communion i love that that's a beautiful yeah it's, it's two words kume which means good and uh, mungen which is life and living world Love that. I love hearing your language as well. It's really beautiful. Um, just out of curiosity, you know, I'm still getting familiarized with this too. And I know that most communities have an origin story of where their people came from. Where do you feel like your people originated from and, and came from? What do you feel like the origin story is in, in ancient terms? Uh, so we say, our, uh, our people say that we are uh, <clears throat> from the blue from the sky uh and um it's a creation story that i've heard repeated in other indigenous groups as well um 
but yeah that's why blue is such a big and sacred color for us um my family home on our reservation it's colored in that blue um and my uncle he's an author he became the first indigenous author to uh win a national literature i can't pronounce that word literature prize award <laughs> uh and he um he, in one of his books is the blue dream right mm-hmm. so we have we put a lot of uh, emphasis on on that that uh what we're taught right that we are from from the blue from the sky i want to read his book that sounds really beautiful i love that yeah, yeah it's really it's really good <laughs> the blue dream. i'm i'm, I'm biased but <laughs> of course but that sounds really wonderful um, yeah. so we were just touching on it earlier, but what, what creates a healer in your community? Like, why is that word held with reverence and is considered sacred? Like what brings someone into the archetype of the healer and why is it not used kind of willy nilly? <laughs> yeah. Because in, in this culture, right. You just, anyone can call himself a healer or, you know, you just pay some money for, for a I don't know a program or something like that and then you get a certificate and you're a healer right yes um for us it's a lot of responsibility and that responsibility is not taken lightly and which is why uh, a lot of our healers have longer training than any medical doctor and this is something I had a conversation with my uncle this summer I'm like my grandmother probably knew more than some of these doctors at these hospitals you know uh, because it's this knowledge has been carried like so usually a healer is um uh, it goes down by the maternal line so generation by generation so this knowledge has been passed down for who knows how long right uh thousands of years or uh and a healer also needs to have been through something and then healed from it. Whereas here you see a lot of people who call themselves healers, but they have never actually healed from something. They're still coping with their pain, right? Mm, yes. uh, they still get triggered by whatever they went through and they still have anxiety and depression, which is not, it's not wrong with it. Like, you know, to go through it, but like it's, it's, it's not, the fault of the people is the fault of this culture right um which is you know we ha- always have to separate those because otherwise people you know th- this culture always puts the blame on a person right mm-hmm. but and that you know you're not enough or you're not doing enough for you know uh but it has nothing to do with an individual person it has to do with the culture they grew up in and the what they've been taught and trained right um, so that's why culture is so important and why we, you know, um, a lot of indigenous people or native people are now, um, you know, picking up where our parents and grandparents, you know, um, have always done, right? So mm-hmm. uh, to keep it alive, because if we become, you know, right now it's such a homogeneous um, culture and society, right? And if we all join this one you know then all this knowledge goes away yeah 
Absolutely. I've been, uh, thinking my buddy Leo always says we need more healed healers. We don't need more wounded healers in the world. It's like, it's just spewing our pain onto each other and we're all going to go through pain. That's okay. But we do need a sense of responsibility. I, I so feel that with you about how we help other people come home to themselves. Because the thing is too, like, if you think of of trauma and stuff like that as as being natural right like if all these people that call themselves healers but they haven't healed yet if they're like well we're we're, we're never going to heal right we're this is a lifelong journey this is just how it is we're all just traumatized broken people right imbalanced people right. if that becomes right. the norm who's going to change anything like people are just going to stay like that you know and, and that's i just posted something on social media about that too like if the moment you think something is natural or normal, that's when you stop questioning and you stop doing anything about it. But that's the reason why I, you know, got out of both my domestic violence and got out of trauma, right? Because I've been taught since I was a small child uh, that it's not natural, it's not normal, and I was I keep questioning and questioning and questioning until I finally just okay, now I do something about it, right? Hmm. Yeah. It's like this thing, you know, what we seek, we will find. It's like, just like you're saying, if it's feeling natural, we start to seek that we seek the suffering. We almost seek the pain kind of subconsciously. It's like, oh yeah, this is just normal. This life sucks. It's just how it's going to be. But as soon as we switch that system to start to look for a life that feels easier, we start to receive it more actively. Yeah. And then I don't want to miss out on uh, hearing about your tattooing process, because I know that tattoos are also almost like a rite of passage, it sounds like in some ways. What is it? What's the process like of getting a tattoo and what do they mean to you? Uh, Well, uh, yeah, tattoos were once the Europeans came on to our land, um, it became forbidden, right, by the church. Uh, And uh, so it stopped for for a while um so i heard one person in our community who is a traditional tattoo artist um or a skin marker he uh, said that uh when we get these tattoos it's how our ancestors can recognize us um so um uh but, you know, for me, like, I didn't do it with any traditional one. I just, uh, you know, my ex-husband was going to get tattoos. And I'm like, I never had a tattoo in my life. And all of a sudden, it just popped in my head that I wanted to get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if I could go. And, you know, usually I would not, he would not do that. But he was like, I think he got so shocked <laughs> that I wanted a tattoo. So I just went to a place in Venice. And I... Uh, I got this uh, tattoo on my neck, um, which is um, uh, one of the traditional uh, and ancient symbol that uh, represents uh, uh, energy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is basically, um, you know, the how to translate that, like the the great spirit of our bodies, right? We believe that every life form has a a great spirit. So the water has a great spirit. The forest has a great, great spirit and our bodies have a great spirit. Um, So um, uh, yeah, so that's what I got. And even though I can't, uh, you know, people always ask me why I get and got it on my neck where I can't see it, right? And you know, it's kind of like energy, right? Like, you know, I don't have, we don't have to see it to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I'm learning so much from this. I didn't, I didn't know that um, it was because of the Europeans coming in and banning the tattoo. I didn't even know that was a thing. So thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. It's also language. You know, I get so inspired when I see, like, I know the Cherokee nation just made like a TikTok account to teach people about their language, but it seems like language preservation has been a big movement as well. Just making sure that language stays alive. Do you feel that coming back to life in, in some ways or um, yeah. what's, what's going on that's helping you to feel optimistic about your community being seen? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, language, you know, our culture lives with our language, right? So if we lose our languages, you know, even just these words that I share with you, you know, you can tell how much it reminds us of, you know, our relationship with the land, our relationship with ourselves and balance that, you know, that, um, and, you know it's it's so important like for for my mom it was uh it was illegal to for her to talk her language you know and uh you know my grandparents uh and great-grandparents um they were all in uh like missionary schools right um where they would get tortured if they spoke their language uh but uh there were some family members that um you know my so my great great grandfather he he was the um, chief of the biggest community in our area so uh i don't know how they did it but they managed to keep our languages and our traditions alive uh this is where you know we were forbidden to do ceremonies and stuff like that but we still continued uh and it was always at our home because um uh, because of um it, my great grandfather yeah. Mm. So uh, it's language has just always been, uh, you know, it's uh, it's how we learn, right? It's how we know who we are, and or you know how we speak to each other too, right? Mm-hmm. And it carries like a a coding in it for s- somehow, you know. When I hear you say one of these words or these phrases, it's like. I feel like languages have different ways and energies of describing what things are down to like what the sky represents, what the earth represents. It comes through differently in the interpretation of the words and the language. And there's just something about hearing your language that feels really expansive. And just, I mean, for a moment to recognize that your grandparents and your, did you say your parents too were in missionary schools? Like just how recent that was. My mom Um, was, yeah, my mom was uh, not in the mission school. That was my great grandparents and mm-hmm. my grandparents. My mom was in a rural school, but they still had the Catholic teachers. So she still got uh, a lot of abuse in the schools too. Yeah. I remember when, you know, we were just getting a lot of press was coming about this, I think last summer, and especially in Canada and all of these areas about these schools being found and these mass graves being found. And I remember bringing this up with my dad and he was like, oh no, you're mistaken. That wasn't that recent. There's absolutely no way. And I just think it's important to remember that this is very recent history and genocide that happened um, that we're talking about, you know, this is not some kind of ancient, you know, hundreds of years ago kind of thing. So I appreciate I mean, you. Some of the, some of the schools yeah. didn't end until the nineties, the nineties, exactly. Yeah, like born in the eighties. So, you know, it's, uh, it's very recent and some policies that are, you know, about assimilating us and you know keeping us from our culture and stuff like that are still in, into effect. Right. And keeping us from living as indigenous people are still, you know, going on. So it, yeah, it's very, 
you know, it's still, it's not past tense. It's still going on. Yeah, absolutely. And just hearing you talk about the relationship to the earth is why I just feel like, you know, indigenous people are going to lead the way to climate activism, which is already happening, but, you know, just protecting our earth because the relationship, the, the wisdom that comes through the earth, it's like Western culture doesn't talk about earth like that. It's almost like separate. And the, the connection that you feel and that your culture is bringing to light is I think the key to all of this. Like we've got to figure out how to live in a cycle where we're all connected and everybody's benefiting from one another. Like humans are not oppressing nature. It's like, we're living in integration and in community there. I mean, down to like farming techniques and tilling and all of these things, which I love kiss the grounds. Great documentary about that. Also down to earth, Zach Efron's new series is really highlighting indigenous mm -hmm. communities all over the world and how to take care of the earth. But I do feel like, you know, our kids, if we choose to have kids or whatever happens next, this is not going to happen without leadership in the indigenous community. Like we just are, <laughs> people don't know, like this is just ancient wisdom that needs to be reactivated. Otherwise, maybe it's a little dark to say that. I just don't think we're going to get there without that leadership. Um, from native people yeah and, and so, that's some, that's something you see too you know when when western people or structures adapt indigenous um, knowledge right or practices they still put it in their lens right because they're not able to separate their thoughts of what they're growing up with the dominant culture right they're not able to separate that they think as as an industry right you know we have so many both with healing and climate actions or you know gardening or farming you know all of it right it's um you know they they can look at an indigenous people and sometimes like when they don't um emerge themselves or let them you know um when they're not surrounding surrounding themselves with indigenous people they and they instead just take the knowledge and or practices and then just adopt it as their own it just becomes very um separated again right it's just um because you know if you're still thinking of it as the land right or your body as something that is separate or something that's part of an industry or you know as a resource then it's still not gonna um you're still not going to see the changes right it's the same thing you know like you know all this talk and this sounds so gloomy right but uh all this you know talk about green energy right but what people really want when they're saying green energy right is they, they want to sustain an industry but they don't want to take the consequences of like you know they, there's no way of doing it naturally you know mm -hmm. there's there's no way of sustaining an, an unnatural society um, or culture um, you know a lot of people talk about you know hydroelectric dams being you know the green way and stuff like that but they you know they look at oh yeah this is all good we're not using fossil fuel right but <laughs> don't mind that they just build a dam on our territory and you know poisoning the land you know, and making our people move away and losing food and losing, you know, all of this wildlife and everything, right? Dying around it because of it. So mm -hmm. there's no perfect way to sustain an unnatural way of living. 
So well said. I feel like this is also why the land back campaign is so important. Correct me if I'm wrong, or I'd love to know what you think about this. It's just because the land gives back to your people who know what to do with it. And it's not taking orders or just, you know, insight from other people who don't really understand how to manage the land and, you know, not build like that on there. Um, I'm, I'm still learning so much about this, but it seems like the land back campaign is probably one of the most important campaigns going on right now. Yeah, it is because, uh, you know, land, you know, like we talked about before, you know, land is, is not just some place where we put up a house, right? It is our, our way of living, right? It's our family, it's our, it's part of our relations. So if we don't have the access to grow our own foods, to forage our own, you know, berries and medicines and, and food as well um you know if we don't have a place to meet together right like you know in our community um our family home was always a place or still is a place where community members come and you know they my my grandma even when we were forced to exile my family was forced to exile to europe um that she still kept an open door right there's no we don't have like the dominant culture right that we only share um or help each other when we can't like when we have time left or when we have money left right or when there's enough food to share right we share no matter what right it doesn't matter um there's always um you know like life our life's purpose is not these careers or it's not who we are in as an industry as part of an industry it's it's um helping and supporting each other because you have to remember too like if and we saw this in the beginning of the pandemic when there was a lockdown and everything shut down right if if this industry goes away life will still continue life Mm. doesn't the world doesn't stop right but if you take away this land if you if you kill everything on this land everything stops you know, that's why, you know, my uncle says, you know, he's like, people keep talking about if nature should have rights. He's like, it's become an illusion, like where people forgot that, you know, we are nature, you know, we can't exist without it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so land back, you know, allows us to become, instead of becoming dependable or, or dependent on this industry, right? We can become a uh, return to how we always been, right? Um, self-sustainable, which is where we're supposed to be, right? Yeah, and I think the essence is like, but it's between stewardship and ownership. Like to be a steward of the land is not to own and oppress the land. It's to live in like a symbiotic, symbiosis. I hope that's the right word of taking care of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about what you were saying about your grandmothers and your, your matriarchal line, gaining this wisdom as healers from thousands of years. And I was just thinking about this, like statistic about people who go through schooling to become medical practitioners, their knowledge is null within three years of learning it because it's so rapidly evolving and the technology, like medicine has become more of like a technology industry. Now it's really not rooted in holistic healing. So it's almost like it's just becoming more and more irrelevant beyond that. They don't really study very much nutrition at all, which is like a further connection to the earth is how we rotate nutrients and, and, uh, and cycle that. So it's just amazing, which leads me into asking you about, 
you know, the work that you're doing in your more intimate containers and, and in your community more intimately, when people come to you um, and they're ex- they have experienced PTSD, what does your process look like of teaching them and helping them to understand what they've experienced? What are your, what are some steps that you usually take to help them through? Um, yeah, it, we usually, it, it kind of follows the same, you know, as our healers, you know, like the connection between the body, mind, spirit, and land, right? So it's kind of like how I structure it. The first step is always getting them out of the survival cycle, because unless you get out of the survival cycle, you cannot heal. It's like walking around with a knife in your arm, right? And expect it, the wound to heal. Like it's just it just doesn't work, right? You have to, you know, people forget that, you know, trauma actually means wound. It's just that you can't see it, mm-hmm. you know? It's uh, it's just that it's inside of you. And that's, you know, I have no, I'm not against Western science or anything like that. I just think that, you know, this culture has really forgot about nature, right? How we work as nature, mm-hmm. you know, how, um, and they take their inventions and their, um, their own beliefs before letting nature do its job, right? Letting your body actually do its job. So I never tell anyone that like <clears throat> they will heal from whatever they're going through. It, it's just like you're giving your body a chance, right? You're because by by removing this survival energy, right, all this adrenaline and, and um, cortisol from your body, your your body, your the energy resets itself and it comes back to balance right equilibrium and this is the only place where you can heal right you cannot heal if you're still fighting to survive it just doesn't you know it just doesn't work it's just goes against laws of nature if you look at a plant or a tree you know if they get attacked by a pest and they're fighting off the pest they're not going to grow into you know keep keep go growing they're not going to keep going um, they're either going to fight the past or they're going to break down. And eventually, you know, that's where we see illnesses and diseases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that is the first step we do. And depending on the person, it takes different amount of time. But I think it was two a year and a half ago. Um, this person, you, this, so the thing is like your body works very fast, you know, like I was in therapy and I did medication stuff like that for over eight years. As soon as I let my body do this, it took just a few months yep. And, yep. and I see this over and over and over again. And I, sometimes I don't believe myself, but then I work with so many people that I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, your body is really powerful. And those, this one person, um, Uh, Chloe in Australia and she has had been diagnosed with Crohn's disease for years right and her um the values you know that she goes to the doctors regularly like every other month or something like that and uh you know her values had always been very abnormal right very high and she um she started this right and after and letting her body finish the survival so as soon as your body it leaves the survival cycle it can start the healing process right and and after like two three months she started in may i think and in june or 
July, she went into the for the hospital for to do her test again. And they couldn't even find a trace of Crohn's disease. There was no there was no evidence that it ever existed. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so, you know, like we forget that we have these cells that are working. 24 seven on renewing right and it can go both ways right your body can these cells can can help you to heal right but they can also if you fight for survival for so long if they start to believe it's normal right just like we talked about with with this culture right uh they if they think it's normal then they keep keep creating those same cells and they keep breaking you down and it you know it they just you know, depending on which way you're going, right? Um, so um, uh, that's what's so, I don't know, I'm always fascinated with our bodies and with the land. You know, we see the same same thing with our earth, right? Like whenever it gets a chance to come back to its, its natural cycles, it, it's able to renew, right? Which is so, you know, that's like one thing I always want to remind people, like, don't forget that this is not natural. This is not normal. This mm-hmm. imbalance with land, the imbalance with people, like all these, you know, suicide, depression, anxiety, none of that is normal. Um, it's just a, a result of this culture. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that Again, example. Excited. <laughs> totally. I love that example, too, of like, it's an example of spontaneous healing, which, um, happens a lot. And it usually happens when people are doing this more intentional, you know, soul diving into figuring out what's going on and where their safety triggers are going off. And I I know Joe Dispenza has does so much work around this too, but I always remember too, that our bodies, um, replenish and completely replace their cells like every seven to 10 years. So we have completely different bodies than we did you know, eight years ago. So if we're carrying disease from, you know, eight to 10 years ago, it's our mind just giving direction to our bodies. It feels like that's just like, just like you said, it's like, we're giving direction to every cell in the body. Like, here's what we believe. Here's the reality create based on this thinking. And if we can just rewire that, yeah. And it can happen fast. Like you're saying it can, it can really happen fast. It's amazing. And so beautiful. And actually it's, it's your energy that gets that's with your mind right because if your energy is in survival your mind will be like how do i how do i get out of this situation how do i do you know like how do i survive right Mm -hmm. so so it always comes back to energy you know like we can't forget that totally Um, and and what is one tool for example that or like go to strategy or grounding practice that you bring into your community and these people that you're working with to help them feel safe, like to start to integrate that feeling like you're not going to die. Your alarm systems can, you know, calm down and go down. What do you bring in? What's one of your favorite practices? Uh, well, the actual practice of releasing this or uh, going through the survival cycle is actually physical, you know, so that's, it's nothing, uh, you know, they don't have to think about anything or do anything really, except um, I guide them through how to actually let it, um, it, like we talked about the dam before, right? People are been so used to controlling their natural responses, right? So they actually stop the response to release. Mm. Um, and so what we do, and this, you know, is usually it takes about a month, uh, is that we retrain that, um, you know, so we, basically let the body know that it's okay to to release again to to do these responses these natural responses just how 
how this earth was made, you know, has earthquakes or a little like volcano eruption. It's truly tension, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and another thing that I, you know, tell them, you know, which goes back into our environment, right, and land, is that, you know, these phones and these computers and this all this access, right, is is not natural for us. So. Uh, if you're always on it, you're going to keep getting into survival because whenever you open your phone and you see something and and your body will respond into it will have a survival response, even if you don't think about it as the danger, it will still um, it will still respond that way. That's why I don't like the word stress, because it just doesn't say anything, really. It is, you know, stress is it's a survival response. Um, it doesn't matter you know, it doesn't separate between an actual danger or, you know, something that is really upsetting to you, right? Um, so if you can limit the amount of, you know, like you have to make sure that you're getting as much as possible away from the environment that triggers you into survival, that triggers your body into survival response. Um, because if you keep putting yourself in that position or keep... Uh, you know, it's like you have a scab, right? Or you have a wound here. And and if, if you keep picking on it, you're not going to, it's not going to heal, you know, or it might heal, but it might take very long time, right? Um, you have to, especially during the, the first process and when people come, I mean, people come with trauma from like 40 years, you know, like really like long, long, long time that they've gone through this. And, you know, you, you, this is that's the most important time for you to try to you know not get triggered by anything else right to have that that's why you know in the mornings I don't open my home open up my phone I don't open up my computer I don't look at the news I don't look at the uh the mails and you know anything like that I wait till the afternoon or a little bit later right uh because it's just it's it's not we have not evolved to any of this. Mm, that's really great advice to curate our environment in a way that like, you know, supports our healing rather than supports the trauma even more. That's just such great, like straightforward advice. I love it. Honestly, yeah, because you know, so so many people too, they will like scroll on their phones to trying to find a relief, right? They like find an affirmation or like something positive, you know. Uh, but honestly, like something even better would just be outside and hug a tree you know like that would be even more effective like just Straight laying up. down like <laughs> just drop the phone just you know oh. yeah you're literally and anybody who's curious about this I mean the the research behind literally putting our bare feet on the ground laying on the ground syncing up our circadian rhythm literally hugging a tree it just does so much for our heart it's amazing it's I love that you're saying this because it's so I think sometimes people think about connecting with nature as kind of like okay like what does that even mean biologically and on a real level but it's like um if we need to look at science to feel you know more connected to it great because there it's just amazing what the research shows us about connecting to earth again um beautiful mandy i'm I'm so grateful for your wisdom and for you being here thank you so much if people want to get to know you more deeply and connect with you work with you how can we connect with you um yeah, they can go to uh, returntolife.co. Um, that's basically, you know, you can find anything there, you know, articles and um, 
there's a free video class, there's training, everything um, that they're looking for. Yeah. Perfect. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here. So good to meet you. All right, my friends. And before you go, there is a free book linked for you in the show notes called How to Embody the Most Confident Version of Yourself Without Bypassing Your Healing Journey. So enjoy that one. Let me know what your takeaways are and everything else you might want to know about is on HelenDenham.com. So thank you again for being here as a part of this community. I love you and I'll talk to you on the next one. Bye for now.